If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello there and welcome to So I Got To Thinking, the weekly podcast where Juno Dawson, big tool for you, and Rick 9 plus Dylan B. Germs take the iconic questions of Carrie Bradshaw in the series Sex and the City and ask, are they still relevant for today? Have we been big tool for you and Rick 9 plus before? Uh, well, I mean, those were uh, those are proper kind of 90s screen names, aren't they? Good, no. <laughs> <laughs> and just, I mean, even just the phrase screen name is very 90s. Yeah, when when I was online in as a, as a teenager, like doing illicit things on MSN chats, I had the worst fake name ever. I was known as Simon. <laughs> just, just, just Simon. Just Simon, because I just didn't want people. I a bit like Carrie Bradshaw later on. I wasn't aware whether or not people could see me through my computer screen, so I felt it was important to have a fake name. So listeners, we've just been speaking of um, Carrie Bradshaw being a technophobe. We've just been congratulating ourselves on managing to record out of a studio on our laptops. It's amazing. Technology. I know you are now listening to me through a microphone. Thank you, Amazon Prime. So the cheating curve. Yes. We're on season two, episode five. Who We're in lockdown. I mean, who's keeping count anymore? This is one of my favourite... Well, um... Maybe not one of my favourite episodes, but I think it's a really good episode. It's very beautifully written. The scene where they're at the flea market and talking about the ethics of cheating felt really, really lyrical. Yeah, and Miranda says, that's moral relativism. <laughs> it's, I didn't realise it's become a thing, but apparently each week I do ask you for a potted synopsis. So can you give us a potted synopsis, Dylan? As the name suggests, handles the issue of cheating and strangely the four women's storylines don't really relate to the question um it's more of a discussion throughout which i kind of quite liked because it was a little bit less on the nose it was a discussion yeah. that they had while their normal lives were still going on so samantha's um samantha's storyline is slightly meh this week um, yeah she's shagging her personal trainer Although he is delicious may i add he's got a very like gay porn star look about <laughs> he really does but would i let him shave my pubic hair into a lightning bolt probably <laughs> thor <laughs> and then miranda is dating an awful uh documentary buff guy charlotte has a sapphic awakening <laughs> <laughs> which is possibly my favorite plot line we'll sort of we'll discuss that one later carrie meanwhile yeah carrie's having an illicit 
a reunion with Mr. Big. Again, at the time when I first saw this in the late 90s, I wanted to shake her and be like, Carrie, what are you doing? But as an adult, it's funny how I fully understand it now. Oh, totally. Same to to all of the above. Again, I know we always go on about this, but SJP and... Chris Noth's chemistry. My God, like, they're great together. It's off the chart. It's it's so good. And I. it's funny, maybe I needed to be an adult to fully understand how complicated adult relationships are. And Mr. Big and Carrie's relationship doesn't always make sense and it is infuriating but then so is love. Yeah, and I was, it was to the point where I was, I'm the same as you. I um, didn't like it when I watched it when I was younger Mm. But now I kind of sided with her so much to the point where when the other three is kind of telling her off a bit, um, I understood it, but I was kind of thinking like, there should be a bit more understanding. Like I would have thought at least Samantha would say like, oh, well, these I know how these things work and blah, blah, blah. I was quite surprised how firm they were in, that, in their berating of her. So the question that we need to tackle this week is what constitutes cheating? And I think in this in this episode Carrie that the idea is that she's actually cheating on her friends because she's not being honest to them so what what hurts Miranda Samantha and Charlotte maybe more than the fact she's back with Big it's that she didn't tell them yeah and um there's that great scene where she bumps into um, Miranda in the street Mm. um, which I think she lies yeah which I think and that's never really addressed is it like I don't think Miranda quite puts two and two together I I loved that scene as well I thought it was really Real, I mean, that's possibly because of Sex in the City. That's the kind of exchange that I'm rapport that I have if I bump into my friends in the street. Like, it's exactly like that. <laughs> have you ever lied to your friends, Dylan? Have you ever? Do you know what, though? I, in fact, me and my little group of friends were discussing this um, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago. And we were talking about people who lie to each other and stuff. And we did realise that we are, like, very... And I think, not to toot my own horn, but I think me in particular... I am very on. Like I'm not ashamed, and it, it it would be a shame if people were ashamed to tell their friends things. I do tell them everything, and there's my very close friends. I don't. I think I can honestly say I don't think I've ever lied to. I think and now this is maybe I'm looking too much into it, but I think the reason I'm so open with my girlfriends is because of Sex in the City, because I grew up understanding that you could tell, and the mark of a good girlfriend is that you can tell them everything. And my own personal Mr. Big, I'm not going to name names, but all through my 20s, there was an on-off guy that, you know, I knew my heart was going to get broken, but it didn't take much for me to tumble back into bed with him. And I would tell my friends, and they were a mixture of, what are you doing? Or, we get it, but, you know, be very careful because you're going to get hurt again. And I think the reason I was able to talk to them about that relationship is because I'd seen Carrie and Big's relationship. So I knew, I guess, the difference between a good relationship and a toxic relationship. And that's what, like, to use, like, a cliched phrase, like, that's what friends are for. They're like a sounding board, aren't they? Like, Yeah, I think because we talked way, way back in season one, we talked about secret sex and whether or not we'd had partners we maybe wouldn't tell our friends about. But that wasn't lying. That was omitting sexual information. I think perhaps, if anything, I'm too far the other way. I think I might be a bit of an oversharer. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dylan. We didn't need to know that. So what does, I mean, let's answer this question. What does constitute cheating to you? And it's different 
this is going to be really interesting because as we have talked about expansively, um, you have an open relationship, I have a closed relationship. So I'm guessing our definitions of cheating are going to be very, very different. Yeah, but I think that we can find a common ground and anyone can find a common ground um, by saying cheating is simply something that goes against the agreed guidelines of the relationship. I would, yes, I agree. And it was interesting, that conversation, you're right, that conversation in the, were they in a market? Uh, yeah, I think it was like a flea market or a car boot kind of thing with with a lemonade stall. That conversation was great, um, mm. but it was very obvious that it was taking place at a time where, while I'm sure open relationships existed, they weren't really part of any sort of conversation. Because I think Samantha was the more open-minded of the bunch, which was, she was like, everybody cheats. So we've got to live in a world. But then Carrie pointed out, you are tolerant to cheating because you cheat. And that's where she comes up with her notion of a cheating curve. And Miranda does, as you said, mention that it's moral relativism. Um, I've been reading, do you know, I was recommending books when we were with Amru and I'm recommending books now. in bed, Max has been reading to me because that's the kind of relationship we have. And he's been reading... I love that. Yeah, it's what we do before bed. I sort because it takes me so much longer to go to sleep. So Max kind of sends me to sleep. Um, we've been reading Sarah Pascoe's new book, which is called Sex, Money, Power, which is really fascinating. There's a lot of evolutionary psychology in there about why it is men and women approach sex differently. Um, and why men are much more likely to cheat. And it's to say that she's a comedian. Um, it's phenomenally well-researched and well-written. Um, and it does answer, it t- goes into a lot of detail about testosterone, estrogen, all the different hormones that we have when we have sex and after sex. And that conversation that the characters had at that market is very much expanded on in Sarah's book. So my little... So I got to thinking book club recommendation of the week is Sex, Money, Power by Sarah Pascoe. That's cool. I wouldn't have, I mean, obviously no offence to Sarah Pascoe. I w- that's not mm-hmm. what I would have, uh, have expected from Sarah Pascoe. Her first book was very good as well called Animal. Um, sort of both, sort of, um, I guess, social psychology books. Um, but Sex, Money, Power is, is really, really good. And I think it's one of the best and I guess most balanced conversations around sex work there is as well, um, in that she, I know we shouldn't be striving for balance, but she does look at both sides of the argument, both for sex work and against sex work. So it's it's a really valuable book, but, you know, it kind of backs up what Samantha says, the reason men cheat is because they can. And she kind of argues for biological determinism, which is that men, um, sorry, I should say cisgender men are programmed to spread their seed as far and wide as they can because a man cisgender man can make a number of babies in the time that it will take a cisgender woman to gestate one um and that's why so we have this kind of mate protecting vibe which is a cisgender woman who is pregnant wants to safeguard a man so he will provide resources so that monogamy from an evolutionary perspective, benefits women more. Um, And that's why men are statistically and arguably more likely to cheat. Although, as Carrie points out, you're forgetting one thing. Women cheat, and of course they do. Um, It's another example of, um, and I think a good one, of Sex and the City touching on 
a, a massive subject, but just uh-huh. obviously in the 25 minute running time, not having enough time to like <laughs> properly address it. Um, but they make the effort and you know what, like all power to them and all power to Darren Starr for like mm. at least broaching it. And what's interesting is that later on, we're going to really get into what constitutes cheating. Because of course, Carrie will cheat on Aiden with Big in, in a year's time. And we'll come to it, but I was really impressed by that storyline. Yes, oh, 100%. And again, as an adult, I get it. Um, but what's interesting about this one, to say that we have an episode called The Cheating Curve, there isn't actually any cheating in the traditional sense. This looks at different kinds of cheating. So in the other B plots, we've got, well, we've got Carrie cheating on her friends by not telling them she's back with Big. We've got... Um, in the end, I mean, Samantha's plotline barely warrants talking about, but she discovers that Thor, the personal trainer, is shaving a whole bunch of women's pubic hair. Um, are you a dirty girl? <laughs> Again, like another one of Samantha's storylines. No, actually, it wasn't. It was the there was the ball storyline, wasn't there? That felt like it was. And I know that wasn't Samantha, but it felt like it was set up purely for a punchline. And I feel like Samantha's was the same. Yeah, I think. There was obviously Sex and the City by this point had a writer's room whereby, and they increasingly had women in the writer's room. And I've read somewhere that they did just, you know, their writer's rooms are right. We need your bad dating stories. And so you wonder if one of the writer's room did say, you know, I've heard my friend of a friend, you know, was hooking up with this personal trainer who liked to brand his conquests. So it feels like there's a grain of truth to it, but... And then meanwhile, Miranda, let's deal with Miranda, because this is so weird. I mean, the guy who's obsessed with porn stars. Again, that feels like probably somebody had to deal with that. (laughs) I've I've experienced this. Really? Do go on. Yeah, I've experienced it a few times. But it hasn't been, obviously, like, I've never seen the guy again. But Mm. three or four guys that I've slept with have turned porn on during sex. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if it's a gay thing or if it's uh, I feel like gay men are probably more likely to do it than straight men actually you make but actually I think once pre-transition I went round to a guy's flat and he wanted to have porn on I'm the same as Miranda I think like I don't mind it like she was kind of intrigued slash didn't really mind the first time mm. but then the second like I only these these three or four guys who did it I they were one night stands and I never so, so that wasn't really a problem but if I were to see someone again and they turned the porn on again I'd be like no fuck off also on a very personal level everybody has slightly different taste in pornography I mean yeah yeah I mean, I'm glad it's doing it for you, but what if what if I'm not into pterodactyl porn? And, <laughs> and I did find, um, it made me realise that I think I have quite niche taste in pornography because all the porn that they turned on, I wasn't remotely into, so. What kind of porn do you favour, Dylan? So our, so our dear listeners can send you suggestions. It's, I don't know, it has to be quite, um, this is going to sound so like uh, wanky, <laughs> um, but it has to be quite real and quite sort mm. of like, I have no time for those kind of like preened, muscly, oily, like with wah, wah, wah music in the background, like American jock type thing, which mm. which is what the guys that I that put on, that's without exception what they all put on. I just find it dull. Well, I noticed you started a thread on your private Facebook a couple of weeks ago about people send me porn. And what what I've noticed about the porn you like, Dylan, is you like to watch young men have sex in really filthy rooms. Oh, wow. Okay. 
just people who look like they're living in student accommodation is how I would describe your pond. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's because I relate to <laughs> not any <laughs> not anymore. But maybe that's because when I started getting into porn, that's that was the situation. God, I never realised that. It's interesting to hear an outside. Um, an outside perspective. <laughs> no, I mean, not to judge you like Miranda judges that guy. You know, I've been with some of these girls for years. <laughs> that line <laughs> is just... And it's and awful when he's, like, looking at it over her shoulder. Like, can you imagine? I would not tolerate that. I, d- I don't think I would at any stage. And I think Miranda does the right thing by saying, I'm out of here. Right, let's take a short break. And we will be back after these brief messages <laughs> to to deal with Charlotte's foray into lesbianism. We'll be back in a second. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. And welcome back. This season on So I Got to Thinking, we are being very generously sponsored by the lovely people at Brighton Gin, an independent gin distillery just outside of Brighton. And do you know what, Dylan? At the moment, under these extraordinary circumstances, they have repurposed their distillery to make an alcohol hand gel for NHS and frontline workers. Oh, fabulous. Well done, Brighton Gin. This week's cocktail is going to be a pink lady cocktail, which feels very appropriate. You are going to need 100 milliliters of Brighton gin. You're going to need four tablespoons of grenadine, ice, one large egg white, if you can get eggs at this time, all power to you, and two strips of paired lemon zest and two maraschino cherries. What you're going to do is you're going to put two cocktail glasses in the fridge to chill. Pour the gin and grenadine into a cocktail shaker, then fill with the ice. Shake until the outside of the shaker feels ice cold. Strain the mixture into a jug, discarding the ice. 
Tip the egg white into the shaker and pour in the gin mixture. Shake well until the egg white is frothy. Pour the cocktail into the chilled glasses. Skewer the cherries on cocktail sticks. And if you're using them, to garnish the glasses along with the paired lemon zest. I've never made a cocktail with an egg white, so maybe that's a little, a little challenge. I can imagine Stamford handing one to Carrie and saying, it's a pink lady. <laughs> For my pink lady. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Meanwhile, across Manhattan, at the launch of Yael, a hip lesbian artist, Charlotte is hosting the art launch of the decade in one of my favourite ever B-plots in Sex and the City. Absolutely. So but the first thing I noted is that the word lesbian is said four times in the first four minutes of that episode. <laughs> Amazing. And this, this group of lesbians for Sex and the City is surprisingly intersectional. We have two speaking women of colour, Dylan. I mean, applause for Sex and the City. We clap for ethnic minority women living in New York in the 90s. Um, I wonder if um, Darren Starr has a chic lesbian best friend who advises him on le- who advised him on lesbian storylines because the lesbian storylines in Sex and the City are pr- are, are, when they've when they've gone there have been hmm. pretty good. Because they had Genji Cohen at one point, didn't they? Who is a power lesbian in Hollywood, obviously went on to create um, Orange is the New Black. Um I wonder if Eileen Chaikin of The L Word ever had anything to do with Sex and the City as well. I shall have to look that up. Because um, it felt like it was those kind of lesbians, like the the kind of lesbian representation that we were also seeing in The L Word a few years later. Very like true. Like beautiful, cosmopolitan, powerful women. Yeah, very chic, killer eyewear. And I must admit, the phrase killer eyewear has very much entered my vocabulary. <laughs> um, so... I think this is, yeah, as you said, an amazing side plot. I think Charlotte dancing at Love Tunnel is my favourite Charlotte moment, second only to her yelling no in the first movie. <laughs> Possibly, although I do quite like her toot toot, beep beep, drunk, dan- drunk dancing on Staten Island. I, I called the doctor today. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, I mean, it's lovely because, I mean, Charlotte, bless her, we find out later on in the se- series that, of course, she was a sorority sister. And you can kind of see why so obviously what happens at the art lunch is that she catches her date snogging another woman and to him snogging does not constitute cheating as per the episode's question but she feels so sick to the back teeth of men that you can see why she is spellbound by these stylish affluent well-heeled gay women and they kind of casually invite her um for a drink after they get chatting and then she has like a great night out with them and then hangs out with them loads afterwards. And it's difficult, isn't it? Because, you know, as someone now who is very much a guest by and large, when I go to gay clubs or gay bars, because I'm more or less read as a cis woman or just as a trans woman, I am kind of a guest now in gay spaces because I guess I am. Um, And Charlotte is a guest in those queer spaces, but you know, she shouldn't assume that the only reason she's been invited is because one of them fancies her. Although, of course, it's a dangerous line, isn't it? Because it is quite clear. I've forgotten her name. The blonde one who loves Charlotte. Lydia. Lydia. Lydia, yeah. Um, So it's quite clear that Lydia fancies Charlotte. Do you think that Charlotte should have been more explicit about the fact she's straight? Um, (laughs) This, in comparison to some other Sex and the City storylines, this hasn't aged badly at all. But one 
aspect of it that I think has aged quite a bit is I think that now, particularly in urban, like cosmopolitan social circles, specifying whether you're gay or not isn't a thing. Mm. Um, And people don't expect you to. um, Whereas back then people did, I think. What do you think? Do do you know what I mean by that? I do. Yeah, I think if if it was... Although, again, these are not sort of hip, young Brooklyn lesbians. The, these are wealthy Manhattan lesbians. It does it does feel possibly like they would be quite cliquey and quite exclusive. Um, yeah, maybe there would be a pressure on Charlotte to kind of identify herself. And I think certainly if it was gender flipped and these were men, there is way more stigma about bisexual men than there is bisexual women. So, so I think possibly groups of gay girls are maybe more used to sort of bi or queer girls kind of being more sexually open or more sexually fluid. Whereas I think with bi men, there, there is that very damaging myth of, oh, they're bi now, gay later, kind of. And they couldn't possibly fancy birth women and men. If we're, also, if we're gender flipping, there is a, definitely a thing in the gay community where, like, you'll meet, like, um, you'll be at a gay bar and you'll meet, like, a really hot nice guy and you'll be chatting to him for ages and then he'll like mention that he's straight and you'll be like oh well why have I been chatting you up for the last hour then (laughs) oh I always used to have quite that skill as well like an amazing radar to find the only straight person in the room yeah and I kind of like that um what is her name Patty Aston but I think that her line kind of expresses and is because it's written by Darren Starr isn't it this episode Mm. maybe when Darren Starr writes that iconic and problematic line that she comes out with. That's all very well and good, dear. But if you're not going to eat pussy, you're not a dyke. (laughs) Maybe that's what he was thinking of. Maybe he was remembering, like, chatting up straight men and then being let down by it. It's all very well and good, Brad. But if you're not going to suck dick, you're not a gay. (laughs) But obviously we need to, obviously in the age of our Lord 2020, we do need to pull up patty on that because of course not all women have pussies and not all men have penises that's right dylan we're in trans corner bing bong bing (laughs) and this is particular i wanted to challenge this because this is something that you know is one of the most toxic conversations that surrounds this very much manufactured debate around trans lives that trans women cannot be lesbians and that lesbians are being forced to have sex with trans women um which I don't know where this has come from. I know so many trans women who are lesbians, who are in relationships where it just is not an issue. But this notion that all lesbian women are being forced to have sex with with trans women is bullshit because, of course, it's all about consent and very much about, you know, people can fall for whoever it is they want to fall for. Nobody, you know, it's not national fucking service. Um, But we like to think now that potentially Patty might not have been so binary with her views on gender. Yeah. Um, and actually, you know, the, the, you know, the L word came back this year written by someone else. And, um, you know, it was broadly very, very trans inclusive. There was, um, strangely what I couldn't quite get my head around. They had Jamie Clayton, the trans actress playing a cis character, which felt like a bit of a missed opportunity to discuss, um, the lives of trans lesbians. But, you know, the Bette Porter character made it very clear that as a lesbian woman, the most powerful lesbian woman in LA, she is trans inclusive. And I think that's obviously 
What I like to see. Yeah. Wow, bet. God, I need to do a rewatch of The L Word. I love The L Word so much. They did have a tr- uh, Max, didn't they? They had Max. The representation of Max now is really problematic on lots of levels. At the time, I remember thinking, oh, wow, this is amazing. But I'm sure watching it now, I'd be like, fuck. <laughs> I wrote a piece for Diva. I think it's possibly online. But if you look up, if you go to the Diva magazine website, they asked me to cast my trans eye over both the original L Word and the L Word Generation Q, which is the reboot. I believe um, Generation Q is on now TV at the moment. It's good. There's a lot of bickering. I want them in season two and it has been recommissioned. I would like them to find the joy in queer life more. I think being queer is so joyful and there maybe was a bit of an absence of that, but um, it was certainly a hugely diverse cast in a way that the original L word was not particularly diverse. Oh, um, I love the fact that the two lesbian venues are called G-Spot and Love Tunnel. <laughs> Indeed, yes, and they, they will only eat food by sapphic chefs. Um, that's Darren um, Star. We've, we've got something else that might be a bit problematic as well, Dylan. What? Now, I noticed, I'm eagle-eyed, maybe it's because I've been watching these episodes for 20 years, um, when the girls are getting ready to go to the cinema around Carrie's and she gets her diaphragm stuck. Oh, yeah, yeah. Behind Miranda and Samantha on Carrie's bookshelves, she has a copy of The Female Eunuch by Jermaine Greer. <laughs> is Carrie Bradshaw trans-exclusionary? Oh my god, that is such a good Easter egg. <laughs> right? So that's a, we've, we've seen her reading Martin Amis and Jermaine Greer now. That's not, that's not great, is it? That doesn't very well. It doesn't, although I will say that actually The Female Eunuch... I had always felt could be used as a very pro-trans argument, which is obviously she is describing how the contraceptive pill, you know, changed the biological destiny of women um, by, you know, by changing a woman's role in society that is not necessarily being a walking baby oven. And I I found that to be very trans-inclusive because I found the female eunuch actually to broaden the definition of what makes a woman. Um, And then what, what you know, the endlessly frustrating thing about um, Jermaine Greer is that, you know, she then went so far the other way and, you know, had incredibly transphobic views uh, many, many times, going long, way back into the 90s. But, of course, Jermaine Greer now is so problematic on every level. You know, she has some very... Um, regressive views about rape and sexual assault as well. But I think the female eunuch, you know, it was written, what, 40 years ago? So I'm I'm not going to judge Carrie too harshly for having a copy of the female eunuch because it is a seminal feminist text. And also I can so imagine like the show's producers or art directors or whatever being like, Mm. what books can we put that are like relevant to like Sex and the City and sex and gender and blah, blah, blah. Um, I think Carrie would have been trans inclusive because she she would have been like around on she probably would have known i know that she doesn't in the show but if it had been real life she probably would have known like a couple of trans people because well she befriends she befriends some transsexual sex workers (laughs) i mean that episode is a whole nother thing i think i think that one that episode could well be we might need feature length we might need to break it down over two episodes but i think there's a distinct possibility that like she would have had like through like her links to like new york's fashion scene and i I know this is a cliche but fashion and nightlife scene it's likely that she would have known trans people absolutely possibly through stanford as well because we later find out that stanford 
um, is instrumental in the LGBT community in Manhattan. So it seems almost certain that Carrie would have had trans and non-binary friends. Yeah, and I find it very unlikely that anyone who who has trans or non-binary friends can be transphobic. Um, yeah, and I think as well it's kind of that thing like if we understand that she was a bit of a scene star in the 80s, um, you know, would she have known Lee Bowery? Would she have known Amanda Lepore? Would she have known James St. James? I think she probably would. I was thinking, actually, are any of those characters in... Do they, any of them... A Lady Bunny pops up at one point, doesn't she? That's right. So, yeah, in, it's in the... one Possibly my favourite episode. It's the um, um, Boy Interrupted episode with David Duchovny and Jerry Halliwell. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's going to be a feature-length episode where she goes, where she goes to the LGBTQ prom... And Amanda Lepore's in that scene, and Lady Bunny's in that scene. So when we come to that episode, we will scrutinise the LGBTQ prom for all the notable Manhattan queer people we can find. Um, probably Danny St. James will be there. Da- of course Danny St. James is there, yeah. She was running it. She's timeless. For as long as there has been queer people, Danny St. James has been there. As long as there have been queer events, Danny St. James has been there with a the cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> love her. I love her. Do join us again next week for season two, episode seven. Oh, and it's a good one. It's the chicken dance. Oh my God. Okay. Until then, you have been listening to Dylan B. Jones and Juno Dawson. Where can we find you on Instagram, Dylan? You can find me at Dylan B. Jones, LDN. Because <laughs> he lives in London. Yes. And you can find So I Got to Thinking on Twitter and Instagram at S-I-G-T-T podcast. And I'm Juno Dawson. Thank you so much for listening. And again, thank you for bearing with us while maybe we don't sound quite as slick as we usually do. Um, We hope that your lockdown is going okay. We are sending you love and solidarity wherever you are listening. Until next time, take care. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.